Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team i'm xavier scruggs and by now you know you're listening to the bigs every ball player remembers their first day in the show here's my guy trey mancini's i remember i was so nervous that day i was dh'ing and i was on the warm-up bike before i went up to the plate and i almost passed out i remember i was like so lightheaded and and nervous and then i stepped on the field got in the on deck box and you know it all went away it was just kind of like another baseball game to me mancini is a first baseman for the baltimore orioles he's one of the al's top run producers blasting homers with the sweet right-handed swing at the age of 29 mancini in the inner right field that ball is hit deep it's back in the wall oh lordy goodbye home run after more than a decade playing pro i know this about baseball No two players follow the same path. We all have our unique experiences on and off the field that we bring to the game. It is out of here. Trey Mancini is going crazy tonight. Two homers, RBIs every time you look at him. He's driven in five. Well, how about you, Trey Mancini, huh? Today, I'm talking with Mancini about his family's long history with the Orioles. How every major league at bat is like a chess match and the life-changing cancer diagnosis he received last spring. I had a lot of bad days, a lot of days where I woke up, I couldn't believe what was going on. You know, where I'd research colon cancer statistics, I'd think that I was going to die. You know, it, it just, it was really hard. Stay with us. Whether it's delivering groceries to a neighbor or a night off from cooking, What if touching the life of one person could make a difference for many more? Now, each time you order online or tap in store with your MasterCard at qualifying restaurants and grocery stores, MasterCard will donate to Stand Up to Cancer, one precious cent at a time, up to $5 million. Start something priceless. Promotion ends on August 31st, 2021, or when maximum $5 million donation is reached, whichever comes first. Debit pin and international transactions ineligible. Stand Up to Cancer is a division of the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Terms apply. See mastercard.us slash su2c. Trey Mancini debuted with the Orioles in 2016, but his love of the game dates way back to when he was only a toddler. So I grew up in Winter Haven, Florida, and for years and years, the Cleveland Indians had spring training there all when I was growing up. So it was a very baseball-centered town, I'd say. 
And my dad, I remember, took me to my first game. I was three years old. I don't remember the game in particular, but I know that's when my interest really started. And then our family would go to the beach all the time. And um, my dad would just throw me pop-ups on the beach and I'd stay out there. I'd keep him out there all day until I would catch 10 in a row. So um, I still remember that. And, and I had, you know, a pretty crazy work ethic, even as a kid at that age. I wanted to be out there all day and, and I just loved it. I really did. When I was a young athlete, my family made so many sacrifices when it came to providing me with opportunities to play this game. The same was true for Mancini. Most of our vacations were baseball trips. We'd be staying at, um, you know, one and two star hotels in some obscure location in Florida or across the country rather than going on like family vacations. Um, yeah, our lives were basically dedicated to it and, and um, they wouldn't have had it any other way. So it, it's amazing the sacrifices our parents make for us at that age. You know, it costs money to be on a travel team to get all the best new metal bats. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a cheap game. So I'm very fortunate that my parents supported me when I was a kid and, and helped me grow my love for the game. While Mancini grew up in Florida, his mom was born and raised 30 miles from Camden Yards in Bowie, Maryland, where the Orioles have a longtime AA affiliate. She would go to a lot of games. Uh, my grandfather, her father, was a huge Orioles fan, um, loved the team. Mm. Um, and I homered on what would have been his 79th birthday. So that was another really cool moment there um, that, that uh. I got to hit the home run on that day. So it was it was really neat. And yeah, I grew up going to Orioles games a lot. I'd visit my family up in the Bowie area every summer, and they'd take me to an Orioles game every year. So obviously, it was really cool for me when I got drafted by them. And to stay in the organization and make my debut with them and still be with them is something that I think is really special. Yeah, that's super special, man. While we were talking about Mancini's childhood, I just had to ask him where his nickname Boom Boom came from. I mean, for a hitter with some juice, that's about as good as it gets. Ever since I was a kid, it's been my nickname. There's a boxer named Ray Mancini, and his nickname was Boom Boom Mancini. So mm. basically every single team I've played on my entire life, somebody on the team has made that connection and has called me Boom Boom. I've never brought it upon <laughs> myself or anything. I've never asked to be called that. But somebody always like knows who Ray Mancini was and then starts calling me Boom Boom and it catches on like wildfire. And basically everybody just either calls me Boom Boom or Boomer. Not many people call me by my first name. So it's a nickname that's followed me my whole life. And it started when I was eight years old on my travel team. One of my coaches, uh, Rusty Mouton, was the first person to call me Boom Boom. And it's followed me ever since. You know, nobody calls you that too much when you strike out. But, um, you know, when you hear it, it's usually when something good's <laughs> happening. The Orioles drafted Mancini out of Notre Dame in 2013. At the time, some scouts weren't sure about his athleticism or bat speed as a college first baseman. But Mancini raked his way through the first four years in the minors. With only a few games left in that 2016 season, he finally got the call to Baltimore, and he was batting seventh in the lineup against the Red Sox. His mom, the lifelong Orioles fan, watched from the stands. It's a day that I still, I try to think about and I feel like I remember it so well, but also don't remember it at all at the same time, if, if that makes sense. Um, you know, your whole life, all the sacrifices, all the hard times that you've had, um, all the hard work you've put in is really wrapped into that one day. I mean, it's what we've all been playing the game of baseball for is to make the major leagues. And whenever you make your debut, you know, it's a crazy day. I remember I was so nervous that day. 
I was DHing and I was on the warm up bike before I went up to the plate and I almost passed out. I remember I was like so lightheaded and, and nervous. And then I stepped on the field, got in the on deck box and, you know, it all went away. It was just kind of like another baseball game to me. And, and it was such an incredible feeling. And, and I hit a home run later in the game. That one in the air, left center field. It is deep. And goodbye, home run. Trey Mancini, his first major league hit. His mom, Beth, getting to see it. He'll round the bases faster than anyone this year who has hit a home run. And, and to have that moment, um, like I said, it's just basically all your hard work and everything you've gone through wrapped into one day and one moment. Uh, I remember Eduardo Rodriguez was pitching. He was pitching a great game. He threw me two really good changeups to start the at-bat. And then I kind of thought to myself, I was like, I think he might try to sneak a fastball inside here. And, you know, I, I luckily guessed right there. And when the ball left my bat, I like couldn't believe it. I was like, no way this is happening right now. And, um, you know, for, I, that's basically the last thing I remember was seeing the flight of the ball off my bat. And I barely even remember going around the bases or anything, but it was crazy. It was nuts. What I really like was how you came out of that year and then you went on to 2017 proving that the three home runs and 14 at-bats and 16 weren't a fluke. You went off in 17 um, and you you also were playing outfield, which wasn't quite uh, the position that you had been used to playing up until that time. Talk to me about that first full season in the big leagues and, and also that transition to the outfield. Yeah, it, it was a tough transition. I had never sniffed the outfield in my entire life, basically. I was a first baseman only and was always labeled as that. So I worked really hard to to go out there and, and be able to play, you know, at least a serviceable job in the outfield and, and try to make myself good out there. And yeah, it was just, it, it took a lot of focus on both sides of the ball. They got a chance all the way through and he is out. A perfect one-hop throw. As Trey Mancini had to chase it down. Like normally, I'd say up to that point, much more of my focus was on hitting. And that was, you know, usually my main concern. But then when you go to a new position in a position you've never played before, a lot of your focus goes there too. So it was even more energy, um, I'd say, I was using between, you know, doing my defensive work, getting all that done, and then still focusing on hitting. So um, I feel like I did a pretty good job, especially being a rookie on a veteran team of handling that. Um, that's something I can look back on and, and, you know, hang my hat on a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because not to mention the fact of you having to be in your first full season and still prove who you are as a player while, you know, making defensive changes and making adjustments defensively. You're also doing the same thing offensively, learning the league. You know, I think that sometimes gets taken for granted as guys come up. It's not easy to learn all the pitchers all of a sudden. So you're making adjustments on both sides of the ball. Exactly. Um, your rookie year. Yeah. Like you said, you've never faced these guys before and they've never faced you. A lot of them don't know who you are. So it's a lot of kind of getting your feet wet, getting used to guys. And then major league pitchers learn very quickly what you do well and what they can use against you to make them successful. You have to keep making adjustments. It really is an, uh, an everlasting chess match. I mean, it's still still going on with certain pitchers. I faced a few guys 30-something times, and we each keep switching some things up sometimes. And, and that's something I learned my rookie year is familiarizing yourself with pitchers and everybody you face is really important and vital for your success, I think. After establishing himself in the majors as a rookie, Mancini's 2018 didn't go as planned. Leaving him in there to face him. 
Over the top in the air, Mancini coming over. Trey in foul territory, sliding, not quite. Oh, you is he, he all right? He hit his knee. Sliding into the padding down that line. No, this is not good. Injuries and inconsistency at the plate limited Mancini's production through the first half of the season. I definitely had, you know, up to that point, a sophomore slump. It's a pretty, you know, well-known term and it's a thing. You know, you want to go out and even further prove yourself and prove you belong. And and I was at fault for that too much. And I just started thinking too much. I was overanalyzing video. Um, I had slid into the wall and hurt my knee. I mean, that was part of it. Um, I I made some kind of swing changes because of that. Everything just kind of spiraled out of control, you know, from a mental standpoint more than anything for me. And I was down in the dumps. I thought I was going to get sent down. I had gone from, you know, finishing in the top three of rookie of the year the year before to being at the all-star break, you know, hitting almost 200, you know, just slightly above that. And and um, I had never struggled like that before, but basically nobody was really getting through to me. And my older sister, Katie, sent me a text message of me in a little league uniform and the text said that I knew that you'd make it even when you were this age and you didn't come this far to only come this far. And um, that wow. meant a lot to me. I, it really, it's still, I think about that text all the time. I have a screenshot of it on my phone and I'll look at it, um, you know, to put things in perspective sometimes. So it was huge. And I had a big turnaround in that second half of that season and, and finished the year respectably. And I, I credit that of, you know, with me having a great 2019, I really continued that in that mindset. When we come back, Mancini tells us about a diagnosis that threatened his career and his life. That's right after the break. It's easy to touch the lives of the people closest to you. And you can, every day. Whether it's delivering groceries to a neighbor. Thank you, Kellen. Now what would I do without you? Or a night off from cooking. You got us tacos. This looks so good. We needed this. But what if it was just as easy to make a big impact? What if touching the life of one person could make a difference for many more? Now, each time you order online or tap in store with your MasterCard at qualifying restaurants and grocery stores, MasterCard will donate to Stand Up to Cancer, one precious cent at a time, up to $5 million. Together, we can start something priceless. Promotion ends on August 31st, 2021, or when maximum $5 million donation is reached, whichever comes first. Debit, PIN, and international transactions ineligible. Stand Up to Cancer is a division of the Entertainment Industry Foundation. Terms apply. See mastercard.us slash SU2C. We're back with Trey Mancini. Mancini had big plans entering last year. He was coming off the best year of his career. In 2019, he hit 291 with 35 homers and was excited to mentor teammates on a young Orioles squad. But when he got to Orioles camp in Sarasota, Florida, something felt off. Yeah, it was, it, I just wasn't feeling great. I was very fatigued every day. And, and by all accounts, I should have been feeling great because I had just finally reached arbitration. I thought that was a huge milestone. I was kind of emerging as a leader on the team. My role was changing. I was excited about that. But yeah, I was just feeling a little sluggish every day. I'd take a few swings in the cage and I'd just get kind of gassed. And that was basically the only thing that I thought was wrong. I thought I was either getting older, maybe not getting enough sleep. I wasn't really sure. But my iron levels came back really low in our spring physicals um, when we just did our normal blood tests. So 
they were really low and the trainers wanted me to do a colonoscopy and endoscopy because they thought there was a good chance I was bleeding internally somehow. And we thought it was probably a stomach ulcer, um, something like that. And, and I got the colonoscopy done, woke up and the, the doctor told me he found a tumor in my colon and, um, he was 99.9% sure it was cancerous. So, um, not was not at all what I was expecting to hear. And, Obviously, it was the most devastating news that I had received in my life up to that point. It was stage three colon cancer. He was only 27. I couldn't believe it. And then the more research I did and found out about it, um, you know, it does affect people in their 20s. Not as commonly as it does people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, but people in their 20s still do get it. And yeah, it was, it was a very scary diagnosis for sure. What was it like to have to tell your, everybody that that was what was going on during spring training? That was one of the hardest things I've had to do, but it's something that I wanted to do. Um, Everybody knew something was pretty seriously wrong at that point, and everybody just had the most blank look on their face. And and I told them, you know, what happened and what was going on and that I was going to need surgery to, you know, remove the tumor from me and I was going to be away for a while. And um, at that point, spring training hadn't been shut down yet. So I told them I was hoping to be there for opening day and be around the clubhouse and everything. Um, but obviously COVID happened right a few days after that. Um, so it it was really difficult having to tell them and the staff and the, and the clubhouse staff, I'm so close with them too. It was just really difficult. He kept it together as long as he could, but the moment got to him, especially when other people in the room started getting emotional. One of the members of our clubhouse staff, um, his name is Irving, but we call him Bunny. Mm. He's the nicest man probably I've ever met in my life. He's incredible. And and um, he was one of the last people that, you know, I saw after I was giving everybody hugs. He was kind of standing in the back and, and I could tell he was visibly very upset. And yeah, he prayed, prayed with me, grabbed my hand. And that's kind of when I lost it a little bit. Um, I had held it together great before that. But, you know, to have somebody... Like Bunny, somebody with such a kind heart, to see them upset and to see them care about you so much, you know, it, it really, you, the, the emotions run when you see that. So I'm always so thankful for Bunny and, and for having that moment with him. Was there someone that you felt like you could particularly lean on during this difficult stretch during 2020 that you went through? Was there somebody that you said, okay, if, if I'm having a tough time, I'm going to talk to them? With COVID happening last year and everything, it was my girlfriend, Sarah, and I, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were up in D.C. and we went through the whole thing together. Um, my my parents were able to come up a couple times throughout it. But again, with, with COVID happening, it was difficult. So Sarah helped me throughout everything. And I had a lot of did bad days, a lot of days where I woke up. I couldn't believe what was going on, you know, where I'd researched colon cancer statistics. I'd. I think that I was going to die. Um, you know, it, it just, it was really hard. And having Sarah there, she she was absolutely amazing. She was my at-home nurse and she was just incredible. And I, yeah, everything I was feeling, I would tell her and that helped. Having somebody like that just helps so, so much. And whenever you're going through something like that, I think we all need somebody like that in our lives. It's It's huge. And I wouldn't have gotten through it without her. How were you able to keep yourself so positive? You know, a huge part of our year last year was Sarah and I adopted a dog in late April. So it was a couple of weeks after I started chemo, um, we got the dog and it was an interesting wow. time to decide to get the dog since I was going through that. But the dog was absolutely amazing. I mean, she's <laughs> she's our child for sure. Um, we, we love Olympia more than anything. And 
She was a crazy puppy last year, but she she just had this way of knowing whenever I came home from my treatments, she she just knew I wasn't feeling good and she'd calm down and lay on me on those days, even as a little puppy. So the dog was a big distraction from it all and a huge help, like a distraction in a good way to where a lot of our energy was focused on that. And a lot of the times I didn't really have time to feel sorry for myself and anything like that because we were just focusing on the dog. The dog, you know, she was a crazy puppy. Um, so, so she kept us on our toes. So that was huge for us. And then um, we'd go on really long walks around the city. We'd watch some new TV shows, basically what everybody else did during COVID last year to <laughs> buy some time. That's what we did too. After surgery in March, Mancini went through six months of chemotherapy. Instead of being on the field, he spent the entire season in treatment. He texted with teammates, worked out when he could, and finished chemo in September. Just two months later, Mancini tweeted a video of himself taking batting practice with a simple message. We're back. But he still had a long way to go from cancer remission to competing at baseball's highest level. It definitely took a lot of at-bats to get used to being in the box again. The game is fast. When you're away from it for a year and a half, you don't realize how fast the major league game happens until you're on the field. So when I was in the box, you know, you I was trying to remember cues that really helped me at the end of 2019, what my thought process was at the plate. I really like to think simply. And there's a couple of cues that just helped me up at the plate. So it's more just getting used to that. And then on the defensive side, um, you know, that took a lot of getting used to, too, because I switched back from the outfield to first base now. Um, and even though it's my natural position, I haven't played there full time in five years. So I had right. to shake out some rust defensively, too. So, you know, this year, almost more than any other year, I'm, I've been very thankful for spring training, but I'm really happy with how it went, too. Um, you know, you're you're not ever totally sure after you go through what I did that the ball is going to come off your bat the same, that you're going to feel the same on the field. And I can luckily say that I do. So there's always rust to shake out every spring training, but there was some for me, especially this year. Just the road to recovery, I guess, physically, like off-season training and, you know, what what may be even going into this season and, and staying in shape physically. What, what were some of the toughest hurdles to get over strength and endurance-wise? Were those a problem during the off-season for you? Not too bad. Maybe a little at first. Um, I think the biggest thing was during my treatments, my weight would really fluctuate a lot. So in those mm. few days after my infusion, like I said, I, I couldn't really eat or drink too much. I'd lose, you know, a little over 10 pounds in those few days, but Jeez. then I put most of it back on. I would put it right back on though, which is crazy because I'd, I'd get an appetite again and then I'd just crush food. So um, by the end of it, I weighed kind of similarly, but like my weight was redistributed. I just, it, it, I would describe it as like a little sloppy. I'd say, um, I needed to get more toned up and more athletic. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it was a little, little pudgy, you know, in some areas. Um, but no, I, I worked really, I worked probably harder than somebody would recommend for somebody who went through what I did at first. But I know my body. I know my limits. I didn't overdo it. Um, and pretty quickly, I felt like I got back in good shape. Even in November, I remember, you know, feeling noticeably better and different. Um, and, and it does take time. But, you know, I made sure to work really, really hard. And I, I wanted by the time I even came back to spring training to be back in full shape. So I didn't have to keep, you know, trying to to fight to get back to where I was, you know, I showed up ready to go. Um, right. and, and I'm really happy with where I am now. 
talk to me about that first at bat in spring training this this year. You received an ovation. I'm sure it had to feel like a very special moment. What did it mean to be back in the box again? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I went in into that day not you know expecting much, or I was treating it like any other day. It's spring training. It's an exhibition game, you know, quote unquote meaningless game, but not really. Wow, that, that's pretty special. Yeah, to get the ovation that I did, I, like I said, I wasn't expecting it, but it, it was incredible. And I um, definitely made sure to soak it in. Being back on a field felt amazing. And at a lot of times, I didn't know if that would happen again, um, quite frankly. So it was such a great moment. And, um, you know, one of my favorite moments that I've ever had, I'd say. Um, I was, you know, to have my teammates, uh, the Pirates players and all the fans of both teams there standing up and, and clapping and recognizing me and, and what happened, it really meant a lot. And, and it was a special moment. Boomer has picked up right where he left off in 2019. Healthy and swinging it. Right in the middle of the Orioles lineup. Honestly, it was so hard for me last year to just be away from the team. It was the first year I've ever played not being with the guys all year. Um, it's just, you know, it becomes a part of your identity almost is being on a team and, and um, having that camaraderie. And I miss that a lot. So the daily um, kind of joys that you get of, of playing Major League Baseball. I'm going to make sure that I don't take that for granted and appreciate it. You know what time it is. We've got the X Factors, my rapid-fire questions. If you could go back and tell your 10-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Oh, man. If, don't worry about what the scouts think when you get older. Um, I put way too much weight into that. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, when I was in college, I'd always stress so much about where I was getting recruited to college, um, what round I was going to get drafted in. And, and, you know, a lot of times I just put a lot of stress on myself because of that. And sometimes I feel like didn't enjoy the game enough. Um, so I would tell him to just, you know, play your heart out every day and you're going to end up where, you know, where you deserve to be in the end. Man, I hope young athletes get get to listen to that piece right there. If you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? A pizza, um, you know, might not be good for the might not be good for the body eating it every day. But I, I couldn't live without pizza, um, at least here and there. It's- what kind of pizza are we going Honestly, cheese. I'm great with cheese pizza. I really am. Um, that's how mm. I judge a place's pizza is on how good their cheese pizza is. It's a good base comparison. And, and um, you know, simple is good for me. And I, I just love a good old cheese pizza. If you could have one day in the life of any celebrity, who would it be? I think Matthew McConaughey is just the man. Um, you know, I love <laughs> every movie he's in. Um, he cracks me up. I think he's just like the coolest guy. And um, I, I would, yeah, I'd like to live a day in the life of him. He's a very, very interesting man. Well, I appreciate you jumping on here on the podcast, man. Yeah, of course. Best of luck to you for the season and everything uh, moving forward. And and really excited to see you go out there and do your thing, especially after the hurdles you've overcome, the obstacles. You basically embody what it is to be an athlete, that, you know, to, to beat all the odds in life and on the field. So excited to see you continue to do that, man. I appreciate it, Xavier. Thanks for having me on, man. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave us a review. It helps new listeners find the show. You can discover more MLB shows at MLB.com slash podcasts. Follow at MLB on all your favorite social media platforms, especially YouTube and TikTok. And follow me, 
I'm at Xavier underscore Scruggs on all the platforms. Our audio team is from Neon Hum Media and includes producers Haley Fager and Rob Dozer, production manager Sammy Allison, and executive producers Jonathan Hirsch and Shara Morris. Editorial support from Nick White. Mixing and engineering by Scott Somerville. On the MLB team, production support from Extraordinary Athletes. Ian Kay is MLB's executive producer for podcasts. Special thanks to Barbara McHugh, Greg Clayman, Alicia Mullen, and Lance Gitlin. Music by Asha Ivanovich. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.